this is 100% my fault. It's six months of somebody doing maybe 30 minutes of real work per day, being paid full time. We could have had somebody that was actually good, which would brought in more money, more success for the clients, way less stress for me. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. Uh, you got with you today, the Knucklehead Steven. And I love having guests on the show where the first thing I do is go to introduce them and their name is next to impossible to say. It's one of my favorite things to do. You know, complicated words like Smith and Clark. Nobody has those names in 2020. And that's what we have in common with uh, with this young man who we have on the other side of the pond, but joining us today from Bulgaria. I am actually in Bulgaria and I'm from Belgium. He's from Belgium and he lives in Bulgaria and spent some time in Sweden rolling on some jujitsu mats. So for those of you who are listening, who like, uh, who like rolling and know how to spell black belt, blue belt, purple belt, white belt, you got Staffo on the line. So Staffo, how do you pronounce your last name? What is the best way to pronounce it? Tinpont. Tinpont is the best way to pronounce my last name. Tinpont. Okay. Uh, That's not how I would have said it. Team Pont. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tapo Team Pont. It's very nice to meet you. You are, so I don't want to classify you as a, a LinkedIn growth. I don't want to pigeonhole you into that type of profession, but if you could classify it and distill it down to just a few words, would you say that you're a, a business development expert as it relates to LinkedIn or how would you classify your skill set? So I would aspire to be a B2B marketing strategist because I believe it's so important to have a goal first, then create a strategy to get to reach the goal and only then look at the tactics. So I wouldn't want to be too locked up on the LinkedIn side, though that is like my number one craft and my core skill at the moment. Yeah, well, I mean, social media marketing and social media, um, a lot of folks who come from a traditional sales background are used to pressing the flesh and meeting people and dialing for dollars and and essentially rolling up their sleeves and get to work. They turn their, I don't want to say they turn their nose up to it, but they, uh, they don't have the same appreciation for the strategy of social media engagement uh, as it relates to specifically LinkedIn. Because, I mean, there's too many examples in my experience of folks that, you know, there's somebody who's not being genuine online or there's a fake profile or there's bot activity. Uh, but in my, you know, in my experience in sales, it ranges from selling, you know, seed in the Midwest to, you know, financial, pro- financial products uh, uh, here in DFW to a slinging food and, and boxed beef to different areas throughout the country. Uh, there's a lot of bad actors in the sales game, whether you're meeting face to face. So whether it's online or in sales, there's just some bad people out there. So it just is what it is. But I agree with you wholeheartedly. B2B is a, is a, is a huge need. And so that's why that's part of the reason why I wanted to talk with you. It's because quite frankly, in today's world, there's this propensity to act as if you have it more figured out than what you do. Or I don't know if it's true in Europe, but in, in the US, a lot of times there's there's folks that go out and they'll get a following, they'll start peddling a product or service or course. And it's just, it's like clockwork. You see these profiles pop up and, you know, they, they feel as if they can model the behavior of, of Russell Brunson. And, and now all of a sudden they're an instant millionaire, which in fact, that's not the case. And this is Knucklehead Podcast. So we're here to talk about the things that we've screwed up and, mis- uh, and made mistakes about. Um, I'm interested, you know, over there in Europe, where, where you live, where would you say, would you say that there's this propensity to have to do things properly first before you're kind of deemed an expert and start sending invoices or, or talk a little bit about some of your experiences about doing the work first before you got paid for it? Mm. So I would say what we see here in Europe is 
I mean, at least where I'm from in Belgium, there's a very limited entrepreneurial uh, community, I would say. And there's like, at least in my family, not very much respect for entrepreneurial stuff. So it's very much like, okay, you go to school, um, you study something that's good for, <laughs> for, the, for the country, let's say, uh, and then you get a job, um, preferably as a teacher or something like, you know, good work folk do. And you're really supposed to follow the track. Um, I remember before I even started with any of the entrepreneurial thing, when I was planning to move to Stockholm to train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu full-time, uh, the girl I was seeing, uh, she literally told me, uh, no, you shouldn't do that. You should finish school. Uh, you should get a house and some get some kids. And she literally told it to me like this. Uh, and it's not a, like a rare sentiment here at all. I would add to that, like we have so much more bureaucracy and paperwork on doing anything that the habit of doing things fast is, is so hard to create. For example, if I want to send some invoices to somebody in the UK, then and, and they don't have a VAT number that can like mess up my whole accounting year <laughs> so easily. So I can spend the months just talking about how are we going to transfer this money from, from, you know, one side of Europe to the other side of Europe. And it makes things so difficult for us to, to, to have the speed. Now uh, there is with the digitalization, I, I think for sure it's, it's, um, it's improving a lot. Um, I, I would say, but yeah, definitely there's this idea of having to do everything uh, properly. I, I would say I, I see it a lot. When you say do it properly, I know that from a, from a small business owner uh, to somebody who runs a less startup and more of a mature business, there's an established and kind of an accepted way of doing business that a, a startup is really meant to disrupt or somebody who's got uh, a skill set of being able to grow their audience via LinkedIn, right? Or, or learning how to uh, get the attention of a specific targeted market, so a targeted audience um, in a kind of a B two B strategy that you were, that you were just talking about. Uh, in your experience, whenever it comes to connecting to uh, entities in a B two B space, how would you say your tactics are different over there than maybe somebody who's who's wanting to start a business in the U.S. or well, outside of culture? What would you what would you say that? some of the challenges that you run into and would that be similar challenges that somebody would run into here? So if, if I'm going to take the specific example of where I am now, which is Bulgaria, um, I, I would say the thing that's super different, different is networking. And the point is that I, I actually don't network here, here at all, because I mean, the purchasing power is so much lower for me. There's also a language barrier. I don't, I don't speak any Bulgarian. So, so when I'm thinking about extending my network, making new valuable connections, business partnerships. For me, a lot of that is, you know, making connections with people in the US, making connections with people in, in, the, in the UK, maybe Singapore, whatever, you know? So, so, so I will build those relationships, but I have to do all of that online. Uh, I imagine if you're, let's say, New York City, LA, Austin, um, it, it's, you, could go, you can go to a network event that you could potentially beat somebody running a, like a cool startup. And I'm not saying the startup scene is, is not real in, in Europe. We've got some really cool startups and I work with some really cool startups, including one in, in Bulgaria. But I think that would be, I imagine that to be a big difference. Uh, sometimes I will con- be networking with people from the, from the US uh, and, and they will say stuff like, oh, it's, it's so much better to meet in real life. Um, 
And I'm like, yeah, sure. But you know, that's, that's like 20,000 kilometers from here. Like, <laughs> am I going to fly over to, to come say hi once? Uh, I would say that's, that's, that's something that's a, that's a big difference. Yeah, no, I, you, you bring up a good point. Um, you know, like attracts life, right? And so when you're out networking and you're, and you're trying to essentially fill a, fill a need or identify a pain, of either a prospect or just, just connect folks. Even if you don't have the answer yourself, you in a networking type event, you want to be able to have your superpower be connecting the right people together. And, um, and what's interesting about what you're talking about is a lot of the folks listening to this particular show, they, they come from uh, either a military background or a, an entrepreneurial type background, or they happen to be responsible for leading uh, different types of people within the same department. So there's a common goal, there's a shared purpose associated or at least a shared background with, uh, with those folks who we're talking to here. Do you have an example of, of a time where your service was needed? However, the person you were talking to didn't necessarily think that they did need your service, but they came to that realization after having just a brief conversation with you. Hmm. I, w- I wouldn't immediately have an example of something like this, like this happening. But what I will say is what I would say that I have in common with, with your audience and just like the way of, of thinking that comes with like being entrepreneurial and, and I would assume the military and jiu-jitsu as well. It's, it's like you said, you know, like you have, you have one goal and you, you know what, who your target is, who you want to approach uh, and then to use your most direct line of communication in order to make that happen. Right. So at a, the networking event is walking up to somebody, but on LinkedIn that could be you no know, using sales navigator, filling in your specific criteria, looking at these companies, looking at these profiles, understanding what they're like, scouting them a little bit, and then um, approaching them by a connection message or by an email or whatever, and then making, making the contacts in that way. And, and there's many examples of, of, of us acting in that way where we're like, okay, so let's see, this person clearly needs us. They have no idea who they are. They probably don't want to work with anybody uh, across the ponds. They're probably, you know, like they, 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 they probably would assume that we don't even speak English or whatever. And that we just, you know, we connect with them. We, we, we show up in their feed with some videos of us, you know, ex- talking in a way that, that would feel familiar to them, similar culture. And then over time, they will not really notice the, I mean, the either the, geographical distance or the cultural distance because they say like, okay, so this is just a guy like me, entrepreneurial guy is in another part of the planet. Uh, but, but we're clearly of the same type of people. And, and then that dissolves a lot of that distance, you know? So, so I wouldn't say I, I get across many people that would have straight up objections when we're in contact, but it's like they do over time by see, by getting exposure to me, start understanding that we're the same. Have you ever asked yourself why you haven't started a podcast? Well, I already know the reason. So do you. You don't feel like you're tech savvy. You don't feel like you got your message wired tight. And quite frankly, it's just, it's all this mystification going on. Quite frankly, uh, our process helps to demystify that. We're push button for podcasts. We're knucklehead. Why knucklehead? Well, we lead with the fact that you don't know what you're doing. We do. We've been there. We've actually been in your shoes. We take your spoken voice. We literally give a human voice to your website. You want to bring dead leads to life? Well, then you need to talk to Knucklehead. Essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to take you through our process and we're going to help take your human voice and increase the process for you going from dead leads to life. How do I do do that? Well, you essentially just take your human voice, put it in a directory, and let people consume more of you. 
Give your audience the ability to Netflix on you. They want to binge watch you. They want to binge listen. Give them the ability to take your voice along on that commute with them. So you can get in touch with us, Steven at Knucklehead Podcasts. Or if you've got a really cool story, stories at Knucklehead Podcasts. You can find us on LinkedIn and on Facebook at Knucklehead Promotions, LLC. And get in touch with us. Don't be a beta about the process. Don't let the fact that you don't know prevent you from getting some wins. So don't be a beta, get some wins and contact us today. See ya. I think that what you're talking about is just through repetition and frequency, you put together a, a process to allow them to start to be more familiar with who you are. And, uh, and they identify parts of you that they, you know, essentially they have uh, with themselves. Uh, and so that familiarity starts to become much more familiar. So there's less walls going up whenever they, they actually interact with you. So I, I agree with that. That's a, that's a human psychology piece. There's a really, some really good books about how to, how to bridge that gap. What books do you like to read whenever it comes to psychology? I'm assuming you you seem like to, you're the cerebral type where you like to read and, and get at least uh, behind the scenes of how people think. Actually, that, that you really hit the, the nail on the head. I really love psychology a lot. Um, not, not just like sales psychology, that, that's, that's all cool or whatever, but, <laughs> but I really like to, to read like the real psychology because uh, my dad and my stepmom, they're both psychologists. One book that I would really highly recommend anybody to read is uh, Hero of a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell. Uh, what it talks about is, uh, is about what's called the monomyth. So um, the simplest way to, to explain it would be if you look at all the Disney movies that have ever been released, they all have basically exactly the same stuff. So it's like, okay, um, the, the hero is in a, basically in a normal state of mind. Something happens, they, uh, like, um, let's say the dad dies or whatever, and all of a sudden there's a call to go on an adventure. After the call to adventure, there are a certain amount of um, obstacles. Um, after the obstacle, there's a big resolution, uh, and they meet the mentor. I'm, I'm really butchering it right now. The, the point is, all of these stories are the same for a really good reason, and that is, that our brain organizes events that we perceive um, from our own memories, but also things we see outside of ourselves. We organize all of this in story form. And if you read this book, you start seeing the structure that our brains use to organize uh, information about ourselves and, and the outside world. And by seeing the structure of it, you can be much more actionable on how you communicate but also on how you interpret other people's communication. And you can use this in so many ways. You can use this in sales. You can use this to relate to people. You can use this to tell a strong story and to, to spread ideas. So, so that would be the, one of my favorite psychology books, though I, though I have many. It's interesting that you guessed. <laughs> well, it's, uh, you, you pick up on, on things and the way that folks talk about the folks, the way that folks talk about their process, right? And when they talk about their process, I can't remember if it was you earlier before we started recording. The, you started talking about uh, the words that people use, and it's you know it's important. No, it was yesterday. I was talking with somebody about it's not so much about the words that folks use, although those are extremely important. It's the meaning behind those words. It's the it what's it's almost like in the Marine Corps we have this this saying of know your know your target, what lies beyond it. It's almost as if what what are people saying and how are they saying it? What is the, what are their nonverbals and in, in what they're communicating um, that are giving you clues on, on where the conversation is going? 
And I think it's important digitally uh, whenever we start talking about digital engagement and helping businesses connect, uh, that that is very real online today. And what would you say, uh, uh, what would you say is, is required of a successful B2B marketer as it relates to, you know, paying attention to non-verbals? Have you, have you been able to pinpoint, you know, some things that you feel like would be helpful for folks that, that play in that space? In terms of, of non-verbals, I would, I would say, like I was mentioning before, how you structure information yourself. So, of course, it's, it's important to be really in tune to how your communication partner is communicating. If they're sending you short messages, don't start sending long messages. Follow the, the same message length. That's an important one. If somebody rescheduled a couple of a bunch of times in a row, they're probably not, not that interested. Those would be like some super simple non-verbals. I would say the more important thing is how do you structure your own communication? Of course, it's a little bit on the edge between verbal and, and nonverbal. But one, one thing, for example, is before you even start communicating, what I'd like to use is the say things better methods that Lila Smith came up with. She's, she's the, queen, the queen of communication. Uh, and it starts with knowing what is, so the first step is knowing your super objective. What is the big picture thing that you want to, achieve. The second part of your, of your communication is always, what is my communication, communication partner, their goal for this communication? So if I come on the podcast, I need to be aware that you would probably want me to say some interesting things that maybe not everybody else is saying and that your audience is simultaneously going to enjoy. Uh, but if somebody's looking at your LinkedIn profile, they're trying to figure out, okay, who is this person? Uh, why should I trust this person? And then most importantly, what can they do for me? Uh, and by staying aware of, the, of what your communication partner wants from you, you can become a much more effective communicator. The next part is knowing what it is that you yourself want from this communication. So if I'm, I'm here, I want, like uh, you asked me before, what my objective is for being here. And that would be, you know, like taking all this experience and knowledge I've gained and trying to um, communicate some of that and hope that it's useful to somebody out there. If you were going to see my LinkedIn profile, my goal would be for you to download my podcast or for you to reach out to me uh, to hire my agency, for example. The next part is your tools. Your tools are every, bit, bit, every piece of communication they can use to make your communication more effective. That's facts, figures, and proof, always the most uh, super important, but also your ability to tell stories, your ability to use humor, graphic design, anything you can use to make your communication more effective. And then the last part is, um, is your verbs or your values. What do you want? How do you want your communication to feel? What do you want it to do to your communication partner? So, so if you ask me, what are the nonverbals that people should take into account? It's, it's you know, taking stock of what, what you are trying to communicate and what is the most effective way of getting your message across. If you have these fundamentals in place, I believe you can be extremely effective even in situations where you are limited by geography, you are limited by uh, just being able to use text, you are limited by, by time or, or maybe even limited by not having the credentials yet. You know? If you know, if you can just structure what you have and where you want to go, you can still get so much done in communication. And, and that is how, I, you know, I, when I started, I had absolutely zero marketing experience um, but I managed, you know, to take the little strengths I have, which was that I lived in the Jiu-Jitsu gym, and I turned that into um, 
you know, getting invited by my best, uh, by my favorite author of all time, getting invited by him to come in his house and, and make video content purely leveraged on me telling him, you know, I, ha- I am consistent doing jujitsu. And um, I've done like a few courses on uh, Adobe Premiere, so I know a little bit of video editing. And I'm willing to come over. And, you know, you, those were the tools I had. And I knew that he wanted content. And, and that was the game I was playing. So, so yeah, that would be like my super long-winded <laughs> answer to, to your question. Well, I mean, you, you touched on several things. The awareness that you have, one that, one that you care enough uh, about uh, whoever your intended audience is that needs what you bring to the table. So your skill set or, or, or an interest of yours, you have that in, in mind with, or excuse me, in line with your prospect. Uh, but then you care enough about the individual that you're going you're gonna to take the time to pay attention to those, uh, what I call nonverbals, right? And that essentially, it's just a classification of saying, paying, paying attention to the information and being able to assign a priority index on, <laughs> on how valuable that piece of information is for the, for the communicator, for the conversation. So um, provide some context uh, to these folks that are, that are listening. Uh, you know, when it comes to audience building, which when I say audience building, uh, my stomach turns a little bit, right? I, I don't I don't like the generalization of 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 that, and I think it's only because uh, it's only because it, it feels really disingenuous. Like you, it, you're, it's like a doctor saying, "Hey, listen, pay attention to the last two letters at the end of my at the end of my name, mm-hmm. but don't pay attention to my you know my, my what my actual name is." It, it it just seems as if it's disingenuous, but it does help whenever you use facts and figures in context. Um, what would you say, what would you say, um, the classification or criteria is to be a B2B marketer effectively in today's day and age, what would that criteria be? So help some context for, for those folks who are listening on some of the, some of the scope of your experience when it comes to be being classified as a B2B marketer. So, so, and, and you mean as it relates to building an audience, right? Yep. Yep. So, so you actually said something very interesting before we went online. Uh, you said when you built your, you, you started building your audience for, for this particular podcast that you didn't have a particular um, community in mind. And then you gave me like the most specific description of any audience I've ever gotten <laughs> of, every, of any podcast I've, I've ever gotten on. Uh, I think there's so, so, so many parts to, to this question. Because there's always like you always have the opportunity to grow in in, in all directions at once, uh, and but you you don't necessarily have have the ability to to connect that to, to your business. For example, let's say let's say you you for some for some reason you you know how to be really funny in like 10, 10 second clips, and then you use this to build this huge audience on TikTok. Everybody's talking about TikTok now. It's, it's supposedly super cool. I, I've never even. Never installed the app, but I'm sure I'm sure it's great. It's probably like fine. And just being funny and snappy, you could you could you know you could maybe have millions of views. Who knows? And and that could somehow bring an opportunity, and and it most most likely will in in some way. But n- not everything that you're selling is going to be relevant to TikTok. For example, I'm selling. Uh, let's say if I'm selling B2B lead generation, what the chances of me finding a founder of a company that wants to hire me on TikTok is is quite small. So. My real honest to God answer is starting out with the segmentation, you know, to make it actionable is you look, take a look at your CRM, your past clients, and you divide it up into chunks, which are called segments. And you, you start looking which segment here is the best segment. Is it the, the banks that I service? Is it the, 
the software development agencies that are service is it whatever and you, you start really looking at it and you give point scales you know okay this one is a three points in profitability but one point in sales velocity which is how long it takes to make the sale and you pick a segment that's best and then what you do is okay i have 10 clients in the segment i have one client in the segment doesn't matter and you talk to them and you talk to them for real you know just like you were mentioning earlier you use empathy and you ask them difficult questions. Okay, what were you looking for before you ended up with me? What was something you were wondering about uh, when you first talked to me? Would you be disappointed if, I, if we stopped working together? Who was involved in making the decision of you buying from me? Because you know not everybody was at the table when you were talking to them. You start figuring out your ideal customer profile. And, and this is like boring marketing stuff, right? But you figure out the ideal customer profile uh, and you start really understanding them and you, you start to get a map of who is it that I really need to convince. And uh, okay, the CMO, the, the chief marketing officer, he's worried about this thing and, and he's, but he wants to buy from us and the CTO is worried about that thing, but he actually is going to stop the deal. And you create a map of information that these, that these people need and the questions and struggles that they have. And that's when I think you should start with your content creation. I mean, there's more steps, but, but your content should be centralized around that. What do these people want? What do these people need? What do they struggle with in day to day? What can they relate to? And you, you then, after you know who it is that you can help and, and how you can help them, you start creating content, but you also start reaching out to them, you know, because if you're specific enough about your audience, a lot of the times it's not that many people. It's very different if you're an entertainer, you know, everybody could, could potentially be a Kim Kardashian fan. Uh, I don't really know what actually what it is that you're supposed to be a fan about with her, but, but, or the Taylor Swift fan or, or any of these, you know, great entertainers there, anybody could be a fan. And because the, the barrier of, of wanting to consume it is so low, you know, if you think some stuff is funny, you, you can be a fan of them. If you want to be a B2B marketeer, <laughs> it's not the same, you know, it's, or if you want to sell something B2B, like I, I have like the school e-reader that I used to take notes. Not everybody cares about that. You know, like if you, if you don't like to take notes and if you don't like to read, it's not the device for you. But by knowing who it is that, that, that you can help, you can start reaching out to them one by one you can start figuring out the communities you know the little group chats their little forums their subreddits their facebook groups and you can start talking their slacks you can start talking to them and getting to know them one by one you can make a list in sales navigator of people that fit these criteria send them connection messages one by one and by building these relationships one at a time and then supplementing that but the connection is this is the base and then supplementing that by content that's how I believe you're, you're building an audience. And, and then actually I, I did a, key, a, a, a keynote about this not, not too long about, but then the next step is to identify the people that have the most influence in these spheres because some people are more visible than others. And by becoming a friend with a more visible person, you automatically gain access to their network. It's a little bit like the, let's put the logos up of the brands that we've worked with on our website. It's a little bit of like what, what you're talking about there, except for uh, instead of the brand and the, and the automatic, automatic credibility that that particular brand has within that community, now you have an established communication or at least a, a digital relationship with whomever it is, the decision maker at that, yeah. at that target audience, or excuse me, at that yeah. targeted account. For, for example, I know now that you, you, you as a service help people start podcasts and, and maintain them and stuff. Yep. 
I have a pretty sizable audience, you know, so I have 15,000 followers on one platform spread out. It's about 30,000, actually a micro audience. I'm a, let's say a micro, micro influencer, but lots of people come to me because I'm so visible and they ask me, Hey Stafo, can you help me with a podcast? Now that you've established contact with me, you have automatically gained access to that network because people are asking me about how to start a podcast and you are my only per and you are now my only the only person I know I can refer them to. So, so by picking those most visible people in the network and building strong relationships with them, that is the next level of audience building, if you ask me. And so, so yeah, that would be my, my answer to the question. So the way that you, I like how you, you prefaced what you said about the, uh, uh, about my answer as it relates to who our audience is and who we, and who listens to us, because I asked you a very benign question, almost scraping the surface of it. And then you, you went deep, you went real deep with it. And we like that. So thank you. Thank you for taking the time to really uncover. I want to say the why behind the how, because you, I mean, you, you preface this entire conversation by, by stating that if you don't begin with the end in mind, you said it a little bit differently, but if you don't begin with the end in mind, what happens is there's a lot of wasted motion and you might get some things right and you might get some things wrong, but you won't know why something did or didn't work. And, uh, and so beginning with the end in mind and then you're running these little micro tests in order to make sure that the strategy is, it was correct. And the fact that you use to implement that strategy is actually the most effective. You don't, you don't really know until you begin with the end in mind. So I think it's uh, a very, very important lesson to distill here. All right. So this is, this is not guy Raz, how you built this, right? This is not uh, entrepreneurs on fire. This is knucklehead, right? And so let's, let's leave our audience with something that they're used to. And that is, something that you screwed up, a time that you stubbed your toe, time that you got your nose bloody a little bit. And I'm not talking about, you know, cause somebody did a cross face with you in the jujitsu gym and, and you know, that person happened to be a 105 pound woman uh, in the Stockholm Sweden gym. I'm just talking about a time where you screwed up in business where you were like, Oh crap. I, I, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to do that, but that mistake actually led you to making some substantive changes that led to the success that you're experiencing now. It's a good question. I'll, I'll tell you a really honest one. So, I'm not going to go too deep in, into the details, but I have a, and, and I think this might be actually something that, that we could say is stereotypical, very American, but I'm not sure. I have a tendency to forego red flags in favor of opportunity. I have a very strong tendency actually to do this and, and I've, I've work, been working on it a lot. Um, but one, one of the first people that, we ever, that I ever hired, as well as some other team members later on, not, not current team members, but the first person we ever hired, she was uh, very, very mentally unstable. And that led to not showing up on time. That led to really weird yelling incidents. And there was like, okay, how much work is this person actually doing? But really, and, and we, we kept her for a really long time. We kept her for six months or something. In the first six months of your business, that's a long time. Of course, after year five, that's nothing. But the first six months of your business, that's, that's a really long that's time. Yep. Yeah. And so she was actually managing um, an account uh, on LinkedIn and the, the company page or, or something. And there was so, somebody that, that said something along the lines of like, oh, you guys, I'm so sorry to share this today, but my relative has actually has died. And, and this person was so far away on, on the medication that she wrote, oh, that's awesome. Because cause that was just her standard reply to everything that she would see on LinkedIn. And, and that was, uh, I, luckily it was 
on, I think, our account and not a client's account. But, you, you know, like there's so many warning signs that you get before you get to, to something like this. And ultimately, it didn't have a big impact at, at that specific happening. But it, ha- it had a big impact on you. It had a big, big impact on you being able to change your behavior going forward, but it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Had it yeah. But we, exactly. And, and you know, like it's, it's, it's six months of somebody doing maybe 30 minutes of real work per day, yep. being paid full time yep. in, in like the first six months of a business. I mean, it's, it's a huge opportunity cost if, if, if nothing else, you know, like we could have had somebody that was actually good which in that time would have done much more good stuff, which would brought in more money, more success for the clients, way less stress for me. The pain was that there was so much stress for me. Has this person, is, is this person going to be here on time? Has this been done? Has it been done properly? Uh, am I going to get yelling at me or this kind of stuff? And, and just to be, to be totally clear and, and honest about this, this is 100% my fault. I mean, you could find somebody in the street and offer them, and offer them a job, you know, that, that it's my responsibility, 1 million percent about, about who I'm hiring. And the lesson for me is really like, okay, believe the warning signs. And if somebody stresses you out a lot, if you have a lot of stressful thoughts about some, an individual in your team, that by itself might be an, enough of a reason to, to, to cut the relationship. So yeah, that would be my answer. That was what we call, instead of it being just a knucklehead moment, that would be a knucklehead uh, period of time, a knucklehead, a knucklehead several months for Mr. Yeah. Stapo here. So we, we, we commend you uh, for taking the steps to rectify uh, some of those challenges because they, they're painful. They're painful whenever you're experiencing them. They're painful. I remember working with somebody who told me, you know, my, my belief system, my, my morals, my ethics, and my values are very important to me. I raised my kids up to believe a certain way just because I'm, I happen to be the way that I am. But my point is, is uh, this person called into question my faith because they were so out of their mind. I, it made me question my decision making after being working with some individual that they would talk to me like that. I was like, my goodness gracious, I, I've got some thick skin, but my goodness, hearing that from, from this individual. Uh, calling into question my faith, I'm like, what? What did I subject myself to working with this person for? So, mm. it's it's just it's a byproduct of of making mistakes, but putting yourself out there. And I like the way that you put it. It is kind of uniquely American to forego the warning signs at the at the opportunity to take to take advantage of some of those opportunities. If you know what I mean, that's okay. That's 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 why we have a gigantic economy, right? That's why we have opportunities abound. <laughs> well, I've done it too, so it's it's not uniquely, but it's I, I would say stereotypically maybe more American. One, in, so since we talked a little bit like about the the sure. culture differences, yeah, uh, I've always actually preferred well above any any other um, nationality. I've always preferred to work with Americans because, like me, they they like opportunity and they move yeah. very fast. It's always been incredibly fun for me to work with. With people from from the states, that, that that's that's like me being totally honest. I haven't had an opportunity to work with a, a whole bunch of folks who are from Belgium or live in Bulgaria, but I'm sure if they're like you, Stapo, that we wouldn't have a problem doing some business together. So I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to to get to meet you and talk with you. Anything else that you want to leave these folks with before we jam? What's the best way for, for folks to get in touch with you? Uh, so, so the best way to get in touch with me is to just uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm sure you, if you can see my first name somewhere, you will find me for sure. I think I'm the only one on LinkedIn named Stafo. Uh, I would be, it would be an incredible honor for me if, if anybody would take the time to take a listen to one of my podcasts. 
I do my best to bring as much value as I can on, on every episode. We're still a very young podcast, so, so I really appreciate any feedback I get. If you think it's, it's just horrible, I would, I would still love to hear it because I'm, I'm about like improving uh, every day. So just reach out to me on LinkedIn. That would be dope. And if you would take a look at my podcast, the TMF Picnic, that would be really nice too. Tell people what it is again. What's the name of the podcast? The TMF Picnic. Uh, you can find T- it on Google and it's on my profile. TMF Picnic. Yeah, the Marketing Family Picnic. I like it. All right. He used an acronym there for all you military folks. So we deciphered that pretty quickly. All right. So TMF Picnic on Apple. And you're invited, of course. I'd love to have you on. I I really enjoyed this conversation today. So if you would do me the honor, that would be dope. I would love to. I would love to, Stapo. That'd be be fantastic. All right. So you heard it here. Uh, Stapo told you exactly how to get in touch with him. And you know how to go over there and like, subscribe, leave a review. Do that for him. If you're not already there, I don't know why you're not already subscribed to his show. It's in the show notes. Go check it out. <laughs> like if you like listening to Knucklehead, if you're a fan of Stoppos, if you're one of the 30,000 that, that he talked about that is interested in, in the messages that he brings to the table and the content that he produces and the value that he offers uh, in all of his social media posts, we'd be interested in, in hearing what your thoughts were about the, the value that he shared here. So I, I believe that you know, some of the way that he broke down establishing who it is that you're talking to and, and uncovering the meaning behind the words that are that you're hearing. It's a very systematic way of going out and uncovering what you just don't know. And so I, I, I like that process that he shared there. So I appreciate him taking the time to explain that here. Uh, and if you like listening to Knucklehead, you can subscribe and like. We got new episodes coming at you every Tuesday. Sometimes we have a double episode a week like we do this week. So pay attention to your news feeds and subscribe to Knucklehead. Stop it. We appreciate you taking some time. It is now, what, almost nine o'clock there, uh, your time. So yes. you better uh, you better hit the hay before too long because you gotta. I'm sure you got a bright and early day tomorrow. Thank you so much for, for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, 100%. It was good talking to you. Remember, don't be a bait about the process. Go out and get you some wins. And uh, we will talk to you soon.